and welcome to our webinar today. My name is Mark Graven. I am the VP of Improvement and Innovation Services at Kinexus. And on behalf of our entire team, I would like to welcome you to the webinar today titled Four Components of an Employee-Led Improvement Initiative. And joining us um, all the way from Australia are our two presenters today, Benny Osmus and Simon Murray both of uh, a firm called Big Change Agency. Benny is the CEO and lead facilitator. Simon is a uh, program director. And you know, we're very excited about the webinar today. We've um, been really pleased at Connexus to be uh, partners with Big Change Agency as they work with clients um, to help um, improve and create that culture. And uh, we're really excited that they're gonna be talking about that today. I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves and their firm um, in, in a little bit more detail when we get started. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Hello, everybody. My name is Benny Osmus. Uh, I am the CEO and lead facilitator of a company called Big Change Agency. We're based in Melbourne, Australia, and we also have an office in Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, so a little bit about myself. I specialize in culture shaping culture change and driving employee engagement uh, by using uh, by using leadership development at all levels in a business uh, coming into organizations coming into to building programs of improvement i take the approach of facilitating the development of people to be able to carry that improvement through the business so that's a little bit about me simon tell us about you please Thank you, Benny. Simon Murray here, Program Director at, at Big Change. And my speciality within, within Big Change and the programs we run is around the technical process improvement. So whereas Benny's focus is very much around the people element, once we have an engaged workforce, that's when I come in and start working with the people to, to streamline the process and implement, you know, sometimes it's traditional lean tools, sometimes it's just very, very basic process improvement projects. Thanks, Simon. So big change is really all about increasing profits, increasing productivity while improving culture. And we find that, that when this is integrated, when we, when we take uh, an improvement focus wrapped up in a culture shaping initiative, a culture change initiative, we get these sustainable results uh, that compound through the business and, and they become generative, they become taught, they become uh, the language of the business. So today we're going to be taking you through uh, our four components of an employee-led improvement initiative. We're going to be sharing some of our secrets. We're going to be pointing out what we've noticed really works in organizations well uh, and we'll be of course open to questions at the end uh, to, to answer anything that you might have on your mind. So what we've noticed with, uh, with lean programs, with efficiency programs, Six Sigma, Kaizen, uh, whatever you'd like to call it, uh, what we've noticed is when we see these programs rolled out in, in business, that the vast majority of these programs actually don't create a great result. We're finding that, and this is data according to, to McKinsey and company, that, that more than 60% of Six Sigma programs fail, 70% fail to achieve their savings targets, 
80% of companies are, are not achieving expected value from lean. And the reasons for this are, are largely because, well, 33% because management behavior does not support the change. Uh, so no big surprises there. But, but the surprising fact here is 39% of this failure is attributed to employees being resistant to the change, resistant to bringing in new processes, new ways of doing things. So, so the biggest reason for failure of these programs is the employee's lack of engagement. So the ultimate irony is that these programs that are supposed to increase efficiency, supposed to increase productivity, supposed to make uh, things easier, are actually creating more waste than they save. What they're pulling, you know, people, employees into classrooms and teaching them tools that they're not actually using to improve the business. So we're, we're looking at, you know, these these figures from from McKinsey. Eighty percent of companies not achieving expected value, and we're asking, what's going on here? Why is this this resistance happening? And how do we how do we improve this? How do we make this something that is engaged, that is driven. And the answer to this we're finding is making it employee-led and management championed. So what is an employee-led initiative? Well, look, when we talk in terms of this, a lot of people will use the terminology, it's a bottom-up approach. It, it's not a bottom-up approach. It, it's a, an approach that's su sponsored, supported, and championed by the leadership team. So you have these champions uh, at an executive or at a senior management level uh, that are on board with, with bringing this through the business. Uh, they are prepared to trust their employees uh, to, to make changes, to take small risks, um, to, to hand that over. And, and that's a big deal. It has to come from the top, of course. Secondly, the employees are fully engaged and constantly push leadership to support new initiatives. So employees at all levels of the business are trained and encouraged and coached to constantly push up with enthusiasm and with, with fresh ideas to improve the business. There's daily meetings and improvement projects that are led by the employees, not led by the supervisors and, or managers, they're led by the people that are on the shop floor and the front line running the business day to day. And employees at all levels have the opportunity to be leaders in their own way. So what we mean by that is uh, you can take Simon Sinek's definition of that there are people who lead, people that take the, the initiative to influence and impact change and others around them. But to make this work really well, you need to, to focus on developing people's sense of, of trust and initiative and move the, the, the model of thinking from the traditional uh, command and control style of management over to this new trust and track style where you're, you're fostering a culture of trust. You're giving people the empowerment uh, to be able to, to lead in their area or, or their role uh, and you're encouraging that, that voice to come out. So that's what we're talking about as far as an employee-led initiative. So let's share uh, a bit of a case study. Um, this is Chibani Yogurt, uh, very big in the, the USA. They also have a presence in Australia. 
Uh, Simon, can you take us through the, the Chobani case study, please? Sure, sure. Thanks, Benny. So there's a there's a link there to a to a case study video which you'll you'll find on our website, which will give a bit more background around this. And and in that video, there's there's some examples there of people at all level of the organisation talking about how an employee-led improvement program has has helped Chobani in Australia. So a bit of background there. The Chobani Australia established themselves about five years ago, and they literally built the business from scratch. Um, last month they achieved the number one yogurt maker in Australia, the number one brand there. Um, so it's been a huge journey for them over five years. Now, Big Change started working with Chobani around 18 months ago and they'd seen a change in management and the new managers had identified that all of the business focus was on growth. You know, they were growing at a very, very rapid rate. And the new management team recognized that, first of all, this wasn't sustainable. Um, the management structure was, it was a very top-down top approach. And the people on the floor, they'd lost, um, they'd lost all ability to make decisions themselves. So the management and the supervisors, supervisory team were really, really stretched. So they looked at looked at big change and, and they chose big change because they had some some very specific objectives in their improvement program and and some of these here you can see on the slide so they wanted to align teams to common values and goals within the business now Giovanni has great values and vision, um, but not everybody in the business understood how they translated to their individual jobs. So not everybody was working in the, in the same direction every day. They wanted to embed a continuous improvement and lean process in the day-to-day -day business. So if a big problem hit, they might apply a, a problem-solving tool, but it was, it was quite rare. Rarely day-to-day -day was just about getting through the day and satisfying customer demand. There was really no focus on, on improvement. And while some people were aware of different lean tools and processes, they just weren't being implemented as they wanted. They wanted to engage staff and organize improvement initiatives. So again, the staff, they all knew they had to get the product out the door. There was a, there was a good culture there to start with. Everybody you know, liked the brand, everybody loved Chobani, but were they really engaged in why they were there? Just, just not, not enough. Chobani wants to provide their people a sustainable coaching and training framework. So they wanted training and coaching not to be ad hoc. Um, they wanted real structure around this. They wanted everybody to know if they needed tools and new skills, there was an opportunity there to, uh, to develop them. Supporting and accelerating leadership team strategic plans. Again, in a business that's grown as fast as Chobani, um, the strategic plans were, you know, 18 months was, was a stretch because the business is just so dynamic. So in operating in such an agile environment, it was very, very important that the frontline leader, frontline teams could adapt and, um, and support the strategic plans for the next six to 12 months. Um, and again, a lot of that was down to the communication and the engagement because they were changing so rapidly. And finally, they wanted to enable a culture where every employee understood and believed what continuous improvement was. So we, we come across and we find this across every industry and many, many companies that the real fear when we, when we go into a business is that 
it's just change itself. You know, people are often very, very reluctant just to change, or they think, hey, this continuous improvement program is a program with a defined start and finish. Um, what Chobani wanted was for continuous improvement to be continuous, for everybody to understand that, hey, every day we're striving for something better. So some of the results that were achieved there, and these are over, let's say we've been working with them now for 18 months. This, these results, this case study was, was filmed about six months into the program. So an average production line increases 23%, um, 50% reduction in customer complaints, and built capability with engaged frontline workers who were actually leading the improvement initiatives. So this is, yes, the numbers all went up, but lots of this was done from the frontline workers level. It was the frontline workers who were who were coming up with the ideas and who were implementing the initiatives themselves. Thank you, Benny. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Simon. So how is this done? What is the, the model that we use for this? Well, look, what we'd like to share with you today is a, a puzzle that, that is it can be used as a roadmap. It can be used as, as the language to, to look at these categories and to determine how we go about crafting an employee-led improvement initiative. So we'll start with a bit of a helicopter ride over the model. Uh, we'll look at the whole model in its entirety and then we'll zoom in on each piece and, and discuss the details. So the model has four key elements. The first of which is purpose. Purpose deals with environment, culture, vision, mission. It's qualitative. It, it deals with the collective idea of who we want to become more of and who we are, what we're aligning to do, what our true north is, you know, what is, what is our shared sense of, of must. Uh, so that's the purpose category, and it's very much in the space of why. We then have process directly under it. Now, process is quite quantitative. It's the what. It's systematic. It's systems and categories. Uh, it's marked by best practice and benchmarks and what is the best we've ever done, what's the gold standard goal for, for each system and process. And it's, it's refined in the sense that it can be modelled across uh, from, from other companies from other success so process then we have performance now performance is the how and the do how does the day-to-day -day performance activities tasks of each person fit into that process for the purpose for example performance will be real-time actual KPIs now those real-time KPIs are fitting within a process uh, how did you perform today what were the tasks? What were the results of those tasks? And finally, the last category, people. Uh, people, of course, is the who. Uh, now, people, we have their mindset, their beliefs, their, their values, their uh, decisions, their, their, their attitudes. Now, when we look at this model in its entirety, we're, we're looking for alignment here. Uh, and, and this is really the puzzle that needs to, to to line up at all of the edges to have a well-rounded, sustainable program. So in terms of alignment, we need to align the purpose to the people and the people to the purpose. So what I mean by that is within purpose, 
you you need to have a, an actual shared sense of of what it means to be part of this culture uh, within people that they have to share a mindset that fits with this purpose that's aligned with the purpose also with process and performance the alignment here is critical uh, the alignment here will be the the tangible results you get the numbers you get so how does the day-to-day -day activities and efforts of performance line to the best practice gold standard benchmark of process so when we talk in terms of purpose why process what performance how and people who we're talking in terms of alignment and getting this uh, working all together as a unit so let, let's drill down into this when we're looking at purpose so purpose is the why this exists to define a true cultural north uh, in, in a way that everyone can connect and we can make sure that connection has is taking place um, so examples of this uh, you know yes vision where are we going mission how do we get there values how do we ride to get there standards what are the what are the unbreakable rules that are not negotiable apply to everybody but if we all did them all the time we would reach our, our purpose um, it's the shared common language uh, you can see the example of the one Chobani manifesto here this was put together by the the shop floor uh, this was put together by by the people at the front line of the business um, and it it was facilitated and a, a big point to make here with purpose is it needs to be facilitated it needs to be a collective conversation so it's no good pulling everybody together and saying i'm going to tell you what your purpose is you will you, know, you will obviously not get the engagement you're looking for there what you can do is bring everybody to, to together and say look we're going to have a conversation we're going to share ideas we're going to talk about what's most important to us who we are who we want to be more of and how we're going to work together how we're going to cooperate together and from there you can harness the collective knowledge and wisdom of the people and end up with an output like this manifesto it's it's a, a summary of, of the insights from people in the business everyone has a sense of ownership around it so the more people you can involve in this facilitation uh, the better uh, that if, if they feel like they've come up with this and they own this um, they'll be able to, to take that through the business and turn it into common language so talking in terms of culture culture very much comes from language and storytelling and and consistently passing that through through generations uh, so we want as much of that daily discussion to take place as possible and facilitating that not just set and forget doing it once but making it part of the day-to-day -day is vital to carrying this through and Simon will tell you more about this uh, this ongoing day-to-day -day conversation in process Thanks, Benny. So the next the next piece of the puzzle is, of course, is is process. Now, I think just going back to that first slide, some of those statistics around the failure rates of lean programs. There, in my my twenty years of as operational improvement um, in looking at it, that that purpose not defining the purpose to start with 
is consistent across every failure. And that's, that's one of the big differences in an employee-led um, improvement program, is having that purpose set first. So moving into process, process, we're going to talk more around what is seen as a traditional lean program or a traditional Six Sigma program. Now, when process, it's important to know, when process is put in without a clear, aligned purpose first, the business, the culture will reject it straight away. So anyone who's working, struggling to implement the gains they are expecting from a Lean or a Six Sigma process, we would really encourage you to go back and look, not at the process and the tools and the training, go and look and see if that purpose and the alignment is set first, because that's likely where the, where the fault is, not the training and the people. So into process. And what process is, when we get to this stage, I'd like to imagine if we've set and aligned the purpose, purpose well, what we have there is a highly motivated, aligned workforce who want to make the, the place better. So I, I often compare this to a sports team. You know, the setting the purpose is that, that first week of the season where everybody's rallying together as a team. Now, if we don't set a process around that sports team of, a training schedule, what diet to eat, how often we play each week, the team can't win. There's, there's no game for them. So um, setting the process in, in any business or any program, it really is what's there to enable collaboration and momentum. And what it gives everybody in the business is a real structure to actually keep, keep the momentum of this continuous improvement program working. So. What, what sort of things are we talking about when we talk about process? Well, it's really, it's this structure of communication and activities that allows everybody to be involved in the program. Everybody in the business from frontline workers all the way up to the CEO in the boardroom. So where we generally start is the daily stand-up meeting. It's For us, it's the foundation of, of every employee-led initiative because everybody can attend. And the important thing around for us for the daily stand-up meeting, it's about having that discussion at every level of the business and asking the simple question of how can we make today better than yesterday. Just giving people, even people who are, um, you know, fighting against improvement and change, you know, because there will always be the naysayers, even giving those the opportunity every day just to say, how can we make today better for you? it surpasses all of the benefits of, of, of most lean tools and most Six Sigma initiatives because the people generally we find have the ideas. Um, just asking how do we make today better, people can give some good valuable information. And if that morning meeting, that daily stand-up is in place and structured well, and people know, hey, I can raise my ideas and they will be worked on, that'll take, that'll take this program a long way. So that's the, the daily stand-up meeting. Some of the other tools that we put in the process are improvement teams. So specific improvement teams looking at specific problems, um, but these are, these are problems that have been identified by the floor. So identified by, by frontline workers, by the employees. So let's say, for example, we have the morning meeting. Operator raises his hand and says, this is the problem. In the true employee-led initiative, the supervisors and managers are able to rally an improvement team around that issue that was identified at the front line, 
bring together frontline workers and actually consult, train and facilitate to fix that problem with them. So the people who raise the issues are actually involved in fixing the problems. Often it doesn't need, and, and a great example here in, in, is, is Chobani where in rolling out their employee-led initiatives, they were also empowering people at the front line. So what we were finding is lots of improvement suggestions that were, that were coming up, lots of problems that were identified. They could be fixed at the front line. They didn't need manager, supervisor approval. They didn't need money to be spent. They just needed a little bit of communication, and they needed the frontline worker to be empowered to actually make the change. And the vast majority of the gains that were made in this program were by the leadership team having the confidence to allow the frontline workers to do the things that they knew were right. The third element that we've got there for, for really driving these, these initiatives are cross-functional teams. So bringing together people from different areas who would normally operate in silos. And having cross-functional teams working together, um, it just breaks those silos down. So we work with cross-functional teams in, in two ways. Sometimes they are, you know, it might be a production worker with a maintenance person, with somebody from procurement all working together on a specific project. But also what we like to do is create cross-functional teams of champions. As an example, at Chobani we have cultural ambassadors, um, which is a an ambassador for each area who talks about the culture each day, who helps support that. We have stand-up champions. So you can see here in this picture, the, the gentleman running that meeting is, is, a, is a line operator. But every week we bring together the line operators from each area who are trained to run these meetings and they form these cross-functional teams for learning and sharing across the business. So while this is only a small team, a small part of the over, of overall organization, these, these champions meet each, each week to actually support each other and drive further initiative through the business. Now, on the jigsaw piece, where purpose was implemented through facilitation, the process, this overall and our true structure, is put together through formal consulting. So it's really identifying from different industries and different businesses what's the best practice structure that will work in this business. So process comes from pure consulting. Thank you, Benny. Can I have the next slide, please? Thank you. So the third piece of the puzzle is around performance. So again, just going back to this analogy of the sports team, at this point now we've got a highly motivated sports team. They're all together working as a team. The training plan is in place, we're training hard each week, um, we're eating the right things and we're playing the games. Now the, the step here, the important part of performance, this is all about keeping everybody motivated. This is about how we drive people to actually stay motivated for the whole season. Um, in business, the season and in continuous improvement, the season lasts forever. Um, so how do we create the, keep the momentum going and create you know, milestones where we can recognize achievement. And we do this through performances all around our measures and our KPIs. 
So Benny, Benny mentioned early on in purpose, um, as well as setting the vision, mission, values in purpose, we also set our big important goals. So these are our big important goals for the business or the department, and they're, you know, they're, the, they're the quite high level objectives. What we do through the process then is we, we, we allow those, those measures and those big important goals to flow down to each department. So very similar to a, to a Hoshin Canary process. But the difference here is, is obviously with a, a traditional, traditional Hoshin process, you've got um, KPIs flowing right the way down to the shop floor. And, and we do that. And what we find though is if we're only talking about the business KPIs at that, that frontline level, it's difficult to keep the engagement up. So what we what we look at working with the uh, the, the frontline workers and the employees with is what are the KPIs that are only within your control. So we talk about you know lead lag KPIs. Um, we actually call them result and action KPIs. So for each area and each daily daily meeting and each board, we have our result KPI. We talk about what happened yesterday. So it might be line rates, um, it might be quality complaints, or it might be safety performance. Were there any injuries? And that's important to know because we, if there's a, if the result is is red or there's a gap, we need to work out how to improve that. But the real, the real consistent improvement and the real momentum and the real opportunity for the employees to keep these programs running comes from what we call the action KPI, which is our our lead measure. So it's what action are you going to take today to achieve a better result? Now that's a that's a very small play on the language, but what we find is when we're talking and often often in the manufacturing environment we're working with people English maybe a second or a third language language um, education lang uh, levels vary you know significantly and the concept of lead lag can can be quite difficult for people to understand whereas result KPI action KPI the word the word actually says what it is so we focus heavily on what is the action we're going to take today to drive a better result. So within all of these KPIs, um, we use a couple of different different methods to uh, to display them. So we utilize whatever is the most relevant tool for where it is. So at the daily stand-up boards, everything is paper-based. Um, it's had the KPIs, the results are handwritten on, and they cascade all the way through from the daily meeting at frontline all the way up to the senior leadership team's um, daily stand-up as well. We also bring in, and this is where we utilize a, a Chobani, we utilize Kinexus very heavily, is there's just so many ideas being generated. How do you manage all of that across the business? You know, at the moment, I think we're up to, you know, the business is up to close to 500 ideas in over the last three months, 300 completed, and we've got about 200 open ideas at any time. So it's how does all that get tracked? And for that, we bring in technology. And in this case, it's, it's Kinexus. But again, even though it's it's digital, um, it's still very much visual for everybody in the business. So the visual boards, everybody is engaged in it. It's not a case of the frontline employees only get to see what's on their board. They have access to all of the technology as well. So summarize performance 
is all about everyone having a game they can win. It's about where is the sports team on the league table? How did we perform this week? How are we going to perform in training today? And that's, that's the type of discussion that we're having every day with, with, uh, with performance. And performance is, <clears throat> purpose is, purpose is consulted, um, purpose is facilitated, sorry. Process is consulted. Performance is implemented through formal training of people. So it's educating them in what are KPIs? How do we set our KPIs? How do we set meaningful KPIs? So the training piece around that is in educating everybody in the business in how to use numbers and metrics for, for improvement. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Simon. So the final piece of the puzzle, arguably the most important piece, is people. It's the who. Uh, when people development and coaching is, is brought into a business, it's most effective when delivered in a framework uh, of, of the broader environment. So what I mean by that is, when we have this model in place, we have a shared sense of purpose and environment. We have a set process and, and rhythm of communication and system. We have training in how to perform and how to achieve. Then we're able to address people. Uh, we're able to work with people on each of these areas. So people is really the piece of the puzzle that brings all of this together. And it's very much around working with their um, their leadership capabilities, their self-management capabilities, their, their communication with uh, themselves and other people in the business. So we're talking in terms of mindset. We're talking in terms of, of helping them uh, figure out their, their best behavior, choose their attitude. Uh, we're very much in the coaching space here, which means sessions using questions from the framework to, to help people figure out if they align, uh, help people you know, know where their gaps are. So the engagement happens when we align uh, people to this, this, this purpose. Uh, if a person's uh, personality doesn't match the, the company's culture, the company's values, the shared identity of the company, well, it, it, it's one or two things. It's either, you know, the company has got their their sense of purpose and values wrong or, or haven't got a, a very good hold on what that is and how to communicate that, or it's that the person uh, potentially isn't suitable for that company or that role. So, again, crafting this alignment between people's real day-to-day -day changing attitudes and mindset and and, and that point that, that drifts with people with this, this purpose, with this shared collective purpose. Um, we're able to look at this model now and see where the challenges are. Uh, a question or, or a comment that I hear a lot in business is, you know, it's so hard to get good people. You know, if only we could get better help. Uh, they'll say, you know, it's, it's just so difficult for us to recruit people uh, with it into our organization and of course the first question we ask is well tell me about your culture and your purpose and the environment and they'll they'll either describe a place where people are brought into an environment uh, that continually talks about why 
continually talks about what's important and who they are and and how they they behave together um, or they'll just say yeah we we you know have a culture that happens itself um, also I'll say tell me about your your processes your systems and they'll either describe really strong um, drumbeat systems that, that that are consistent that give everybody a, a game they can win or you know a little bit messy and all over the place uh, and then I'll finally ask them about their training how do you train people in those systems how do you how do you champion their performance uh, and after they've, they've answered this only then do we look at people only then do we do we say the person might not be a match uh, so we need to look at all of these elements and we can now see uh, where the challenges are. Is the challenge actually a cultural challenge? Is it a process and systems challenge? Is it a performance and training challenge? Or is it a people challenge? And where do we focus the effort on change? So putting all of this together uh, in this model, it, it is aligning these four elements and they're, they're really dimensions of thinking uh, when we can give ourselves uh, the 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 aerial view or, or the map of this and and look at each of these uh, four areas it, it really helps our thinking in in discovering what we really need to do the most work on so a question I'd, I'd put to everybody on the webinar is where do you see your gaps the purpose is going to be your environment uh, do you consistently communicate vision mission values standards big important goals to the point where it's common language to the point where it's the daily conversation uh, to the point where it's it's how people talk to each other that's what we're looking for in terms of purpose because the purpose and environment will either support or sabotage the process we want it to support the process so the next question are your processes consistent are they the best practice for your purpose and environment do you have your daily stand-up consistently do you have improvement teams do you have a communication process that is consistent because consistency builds trust within the environment next question performance is there great training? Is there visual dashboards? Is there a game everyone can win? Are you tracking the day to day? Do people go home and know if they had a great day or if it was a challenging day? Is there a, a, a way of knowing what success looks like every day and a way of training people to achieve that success each day? And finally, coaching. Are you coaching people in terms of their mindset? Are you encouraging people to lead in the business? Are you working on matching their individual goals with the big important goals of the business? So this is the model. Um, it's a model we use to guide our way through. Um, and a lot of people will look at this and, and think, you know, it, is, is it a puzzle? Is it, you know, a step-by-step -step way of going through? Um, which brings us to the final point. Um, it's integrated and, and I believe this is the most important point when, when using this model in your initiatives and in your work. Um, each component exists in all the components. So you need to keep all of this going at once. You don't just do purpose, you just don't do culture in a workshop and expect that to, to be the way it is. 
it, it the culture the the purpose conversation needs to be baked into the process so what I mean by that is within process there is the ongoing culture conversation there is the ongoing performance uh, conversation there is the ongoing coaching of the people and bringing them in to, to this framework so each component is integrated you, you need to make sure that the plates keep spinning uh, you need to also use this model to be able to direct your efforts to be able to know where the gaps are so a great thing about this model is you can take a step back and identify where the challenges and problems are coming from uh, you can look at it with very clear eyes and say is this a cultural problem is it a purpose problem is this a systems problem is this a performance and training problem or is this a people and uh, personality problem uh, most people default to it's a people and personality problem um, which is not really the case uh, most of the time so each of these areas requires ongoing attention nothing is set and forget the, the best thing you can do the best gift you can give your organization is to invest in developing people in each of these areas yeah you, you want people really understanding this so well um, that, that they're able to teach it to others so the absolute goal of this is each one to teach one it's generative knowledge in the culture it's your frontline workers your supervisors your managers teaching other people how to keep this going how to drive this initiative and how to make the changes continue in the business so it's sustainable so thank you uh, thanks for listening uh, mark over to you all right. Well, thanks again, Benny and Simon, for um, sharing your approach and, and some of the examples um, and, and, and stories from Chobani and, and the rest of your work. So I would um, encourage people to um, continue submitting questions. We've got a good, healthy time uh, for Q&A here. Um, Benny and Simon's uh, email addresses will also be on the slide that we leave up during uh, the Q&A period. Um, if, if you could advance that for me, please, Benny. And uh, go ahead, one more. While we're waiting on questions to come in, we have a few announcements. We're still working on uh, the webinar plans and program uh, for 2018. The plan is to still do webinars um, every month um, throughout the year. So uh, you can stay tuned to learn more about that at kinexus.com webinars. If you're on our different email lists, you'll receive notification about those. But in the meantime, um, Greg Jacobson and I are going to be doing another Ask Us Anything. This will be episode 17 in this series. Uh, on January 9th, we do about a 30-minute uh, live video chat where we answer questions that have been submitted um, through uh, our Kinexus community. So you can register for that and submit questions via our website at kinexus.com slash webinars. You can also find past episodes um, of this series on YouTube. Okay, if you could advance again, please. We have some other resources. If you, um, if this is, let's say, the first Kinexus webinar that you've attended, we have a library of on-demand webinars that you can go and uh, in view at your leisure. A couple. I should go and count them. It's a couple of dozen 
webinars over the last um, couple of years. You can find those. There's a link on the right-hand side of the kinexus.com slash webinars page. And I would also invite you to check out our blog at blog.kinexus.com. Okay, next slide. And the last thing um, you can check out is our Kinexus podcast. So if you enjoyed what you heard today and uh, you'd like to listen to it again as a, a bit of a, a recap or refresher, you can listen to the audio. It'll be posted in our Kinexus Continuous Improvement podcast feed. Um, we do previews of uh, webinars. We, we have other content in the podcast feed. You can find that at kinexus.com slash podcast. You can also find it through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and any place you might normally find podcasts. All right, if you can advance it once more. We'll have everybody's contact info here and um, bigchangeagency.com website. So let's see, I'm gonna clear out um, just a couple of comments here. Great job today, good information, thanks, loved it. Thank you so much. So um, we encourage people also fill out the feedback survey um, that will come up here at the end of the webinar. Um, so let's start with this question. You, you talked about the manifesto uh, and developing that at Chobani. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the details around how much effort, how much time, how many people were involved in that conversation? I love the idea of not telling, but talking to people. Um, how, how much time was involved? Was there a concern that this would be too time consuming? Yeah, great question. Uh, look, it is always a concern that, that how long will this take, particularly in an efficiency program. Um, the manifesto was crafted over two uh, three-hour sessions, I believe. Um, thinking back, we brought in, uh, first of all, uh, f people working on the front line, uh, around a dozen people on the front line, and uh, about a dozen managers as well. And in this session, we got them to, to talk about what was most important to them, what behaviors they wanted to see, what, what attitudes did they want to see more of in the business, and we put it all up on a whiteboard. Uh, so we had very, very inductive thinking and just got all the ideas and jumbled them up on a whiteboard. And then we looked at themes and patterns in that session. Um, and what we ended up with was a, a list of, of these, these statements. Uh, and then we took this uh, into another session and got all the, the frontline operators um, from every area that were available at that time. And we showed them what everyone had come up with. We shared it with them. We got them to tweak it. We got them to put their own spin on it. Uh, we got them to, to, to look at it and say, oh, I agree with that. I don't think we can do that. So it was another iteration and it changed slightly and everybody else got a say. Then we did a final session uh, where we brought everybody that hadn't been there through, showed them what we were planning to do and got their input as well. So everyone was given the opportunity to be heard in the process. And I think it took a total of uh, six, maybe seven hours of, of total time to craft that. Um, where it, where it got you know, brought into the day-to-day -day was now every single day they pick an item off it and use that as fuel for a story or a conversation at their stand-up meetings. 
If I can just add to that, Mark, I think Please. people often approach these types of exercises thinking it's going to be huge and it's going to take forever. Um, the fault there is usually that it's approached thinking we've got to make it perfect. And and you don't, you know, it's everyone had an input into this, but it's it's a changing dynamic document. Um, it doesn't have to be the same forever. It's um, you know, the particularly at Chobani, I think there's you know twenty percent of the workforce at the moment has been with the business for less than six to seven months. So they weren't involved in the initial process. So in the next you know in the next few months, the whole process will will go through that again and and establish what are the words and the themes that are important to the business now because the every business changes constantly. Um, so it's very important not to approach something like the manifesto as a, hey, this is going to be with us for three years or five years. It's a, this is what we need to do for the next six to 12 months exercise. Well, great. Thank you for uh, addressing that question. We have uh, another question here. Um, I'll go to this one from Matt. What is your approach with employees that want you to just take an idea they have for improvement and do something with it with little to no involvement by the one who submitted the idea, yet they want feedback and oftentimes feel like the idea that they submitted absent feedback was lost or forgotten about. Now, I'll kind of build on that. I, I heard about this as a challenge just yesterday at a hospital here in the U.S. that sometimes um, frontline hospital staff were afraid uh, to bring an idea forward because they, 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 some of them didn't feel like it was a plus to have ownership of the idea, that they were busy and there was still kind of an old habit of wanting their manager to solve everything for them. What What are some of your thoughts of um, how that can be addressed? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. So using the, the model we've discussed today, you can tackle that. You can look at it and say, okay, are we creating a culture that that really is encouraging people to to own their ideas and to, you know, get involved in initiatives? So looking at it from a purpose point of view, do we have conversations and are we building a culture where people, you know, want to want to spend a bit of time improving the business, want to learn new things? So you can look at it from a cultural point of view or you can look at it from a, a people point of view. Um, you know, is this person uh, within the business really there to improve the business? Are they a match for the program? Um, or you can look at it from a process point of view. You can say, is our process around this? Half of the people that bring up ideas will just bring up valuable ideas and do nothing with them. And the other half will get involved in implementing them in the project. And you can accept that into the process. Um, so it really depends on the environment you want to create. Um, you, you might find that, that it's useful to have people bring up the ideas but not follow through if that's the, the culture and the environment you want. Um, you know, you might find that it's it's far easier um, to focus on on people that want to do these projects, that that want to take the initiative, that want to you know be seen and advance in their career by being engaged and involved, um, and and go that way. The danger is, of course, if you if you make it mandatory, you know, standard operating procedure that if you come up with an idea. You have to see it through to completion. Well, you know, unless you've got a culture of, of super driven improvement people already, uh, you're going to lose a lot of ideas that could be quite valuable. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a few thoughts on that, Simon. 
Yeah, I think I always like to ask as well why why they don't want to be involved in the solution. You know, what's have they been burnt in the past? Have they started an improvement that didn't work out as they thought, and then they they got you know punished for it, or you know have they have they tried to do something in the past and they didn't have managerial support? So often often there's a there's an underlying theme um, as to why they don't want to go down that road, and it's it's you know that's that's not uncommon at all. And I think coming back to, to your reference for yesterday there, Mark, where, where the person thought it would be more work for them to actually implement this idea, um, comes back, I think, to that, you know, that level of managerial support and sponsorship and, and being able to, to free people's time up to do these things. Um, yeah, you know, if you, I think if you've got a culture where, hey, I've got this idea, but it's going to be more work to implement and the business, you know, to me, that sounds like a, a culture where the person doesn't feel the business is necessarily supporting them in the process. Uh -huh. um, so I think it always, you know, it comes back to why, what's the, what's the why, why don't you really want to follow through with this? Yeah. And sometimes it's a little bit of, um, you know, it needs almost that concierge treatment with certain people. It's, you know, it might be the supervisor. We, we, we've had plenty of examples there, in, even in Chobani, with this is my idea. I don't want anything to do with it. And sometimes just having that one-on-one -on -one with the person, as, with the supervisor saying, how can I help you? You know, can you right. lead this initiative yeah. for me? It's, it's, it's given them that, that sense of responsibility and also a, a safe environment to work in. Yeah, and then this organization yesterday was certainly working on trying to create that culture where leaders are supporting the employees. And you know, I think sometimes that takes time. And like you said, mm -hmm. asking why, understanding each individual's perspective is important. Um, it's not that they're bad people, but they have reasons to be uh, cautious, maybe. Uh, or, you know, if we can um, work on those issues, we can uh, engage people and change the culture over time as opposed to. Mm -hmm you know, uh, flipping a light switch. Um, a couple other questions um, kind of uh, around, around people and time. Um, here's one, do you have advice on how to identify champions both from management and the frontline workers, identifying people to be part of daily standups and uh, improvement teams? They're, ch they're finding challenges um, in getting people engaged, particularly in mid-level management. What, what, what are your thoughts? Sure. Look, how we typically go about this is we get as many people in a room as possible. We share with them why we're doing this, um, you know, what our purpose is, uh, you know, to, to improve culture over time and to, to increase performance and pr productivity. Uh, so we share that. We share why the company is doing this and we, we say who would like to be involved. Um, we ask the question and the people that, that will put their hand up for this, um, you know, generally do so because they're going to get to to train with you and to, to get some some development and learning resources. Uh, they'll do it because they want to advance in their career uh, and they'll do it because, you know, they, they want to improve the business. So, look, in, in getting champions involved, the best place to start is an awareness session with a message of purpose passionately delivered and then just saying, Hey, who wants to, who wants to do more of this? Uh, if you're getting, if you're getting donuts when you're asking that question, uh, then would be the time to go into individual sessions 
and really figure out why people aren't up for this mm -hmm. uh, because there, there's a broader, um, you know, toxic issue there that, that, that you might have to address. Sure. All right, let's try to maybe squeeze in a couple more questions for before the top of the hour. Ramesh asked, um, in, uh, it's a challenge um, to, to create time, investing in coaching and training, taking time out of um, your regular work is a challenge. What are some of your thoughts on how we can approach that problem? Cool. Hi, Ramesh. Uh, thank you for the question. So how we approach this problem is we, we don't trade on time, we trade on value. So, you know, again, when we looked at the ultimate irony of lean and improvement initiatives being uh, inefficient, uh, we really need to, to look at what's the, the quick wins we can get. Uh, so if you're trying to, to dedicate more time to, to this, you really have to find the fastest way to produce a tangible result. Uh, so when we come in, yes, we're doing culture work and as Mark was saying, that takes a long time to, to, to finally take culture through the business. But we're making wins all the time. We're making daily improvements. So you, time comes, you can get more time if you're demonstrating value. So really focusing on every session has to have uh, a tangible output, some sort of increase, some sort of measurable improvement that then you can report up or you can justify to yourself why you're spending this time because we can't actually manage time. Uh, there's only 24 hours in a day. We can only manage ourselves and our use of time um, and, and how others see that resource. So I, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I, I think it's very important, particularly on time. And obviously we work a lot in manufacturing and we're also, you know, we're very conscious that our training sessions are not the biggest cause of downtime in a, in a program. Um, and the, you know, the main, the philosophy we follow is what problem on the line or at the front line is the training trying to solve. So we will never train somebody in a tool and then send them out to try and find the problem. We must identify the problem first. So for example, if you have an issue around changeovers, um, we identify that's the problem and we train the people in quick changeover. We would never train people in quick changeover and then say, go and see if you can fix your changeovers. Um, so the, the problem must always come first, and then you will see, as Benny said, the value and the results will come much, much quicker. Well, I think that's a great lesson, and as we wrap up here, that's a lesson that I, I think applies uh, in any setting, not just manufacturing, of, of not just running around looking to use tools, but um, identifying problems that matter to people and um, improving uh, improving the business and improving results. So um, thank you for sharing some of your thoughts on that and some frameworks that I think uh, people will find very useful. So I, again, our presenters today uh, have been Benny Osmus and Simon Murray from Big Change Agency. Um, thanks to the both of you uh, for presenting today. I would encourage everyone to um, check out their website, bigchangeagency.com. Um, if you want to follow up with them, their email addresses. Uh, are there on screen. And I would uh, encourage you again, please do fill out um, the feedback survey that will uh, appear at the end of the webinar. So I want to thank everybody for attending. Uh, Benny and Simon, um, thank you again for joining us and, and sharing everything with us today. Thank, thank you, you Mark. Much, Mark. And thank you, Kinexus. It's been a pleasure.